Welcome to the Teaching Journeys podcast with Dave Roberts. A unique skill all humans have is the ability to share information across generations. And the Teaching Journeys podcast does just that. It creates learning opportunities with each amazing guest with a goal that each episode makes a positive impact on people worldwide. Before we hear from today's guest, please share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts. And today it is my pleasure to have as my guest, Celeste Fernandez. Let me tell you a little bit about Celeste. Celeste Fernandez is a high-impact transformational coach and the heart behind Mindful Presence. With a 12-year journey that zigzagged from healthcare to corporate offices and even construction rooftops, Celeste has lived the quest for purpose in various cities across the country. Her aha moment came one day where she saw others living their dreams while feeling like a ship without a compass. That's when Mindful Presence was born, a sanctuary for high achievers to find clarity, embrace change, and build resilience. Drawing on her own path and proven methods, Celeste is here to fast-track your journey to a fulfilling life, saving you the years of searching she once faced. Celeste, it is a pleasure to have you on the Teaching Journeys podcast today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. It's interesting how we met. The people that come into my life do do not come in by chance. I threw coincidence out of my vocabulary a long time ago. Celeste and I met, we were on a panel discussion for um, the Global Grief Network. And a lot of what she was disclosing about her own growth and her own development aligned so much with mine that we decided we had to connect again. And I, I asked her if she would be interested in being on the podcast. And here we are. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. And uh, today we're going to talk about a spiritual approach to grief because I know you, in your development, spirituality has been a big part of your, your growth, as it has been for mine. So we, we kind of figured this would be a good, good topic to, to discuss for a bit and uh, get individuals more acquainted with aspects of, of transcending challenge. So with that, my first question is, please tell our listeners about the experience or experiences that have influenced your life path. Yeah, you know, I grew up with um, with one parent, one biological parent and a step-parent. Um, I grew up in the Catholic religion, and I am the oldest of three total kids. Um, because the religion was instilled so much into me growing up, there were certain things that I was taught from a very young age. Um, one of those being your morals, uh, you know, you set an example for others. Um, there are ways to do things good and bad. Uh, you go to church, um, on a regular basis. Every Sunday, you should take part in serving in the church um and if you became faithful if if you remained faithful and you prayed and you 
followed all the traditions and the cultures and the religion, then good would come to you. Unfortunately, I didn't have the best relationship with my step-parent. Um, and I remember growing up, I would constantly think to myself, um, maybe I'm just not faithful enough. Maybe I'm not praying hard enough. Maybe I wasn't doing everything I needed to be. I was in choir. I was taking part in setting up uh, the masses, helping the the priest and everyone else prepare for the masses. Um, and things still weren't changing. And then I realized maybe it isn't about faith. Maybe it isn't about religion. It's more about how you put yourself out there and what you believe in yourself. So those were the things that sort of started to make me question my religious um, experiences and look more inward towards personal growth, uh, personal development, and see what are the things that I'm seeing in my religion compared to other religions and um, people who were focused more on spirituality and what can I imitate from them that makes them feel more at peace with themselves, makes them feel happier with themselves and, and their lives. Um, so my spiritual journey just started from a very, very young age. Yeah, and it was interesting because you were raised with a religious emphasis and transcending challenge and on finding clarity. And I was raised Catholic, and I remember going to Catholic schools until I was about 16 years old. And then when I had the chance to make a decision, I made my decision at 16 to walk away from Catholicism. And in my life, and particularly after the transition of my daughter, uh, Janine, in 2003, I I opted to to embrace a more holistic and, and you know, spiritually based view of looking at the world. The scripture is still a part of that. Prayer is still a part of that. But I've embraced a variety of different practices that reflect who I am, who I want to be, and where I want to continue to go at this point. So, and I think dogma isn't for everybody. And I think we all have to find our own clarity. We have to find our own truth within the practices that manifest during our journey. Yes, that's very true. What do you see as the difference for you in terms of embracing a more holistic spiritual approach as opposed to a more religious approach? I mean, you've talked about the circumstances that contributed to your decision to embrace spiritual practices, but how has you know, a spiritually based approach been more fulfilling to you than to say just a religious based approach? You know, to be honest, it's completely opened my mind. I, you know, it gave me the freedom to not only look at Catholicism, but other religions as well, what their practices are, what their cultures are, what their traditions are, and what I could take from each of them to make my feel, to make myself feel more complete. For example, um, in Catholicism, maybe I grew up in a completely different family, different part of our religion, but um, Catholicism, we weren't taught about reincarnation. 
Um, and I truly believe in reincarnation. Um, I believe that in order to truly set our place in the world, I believe that we are reincarnated into different people, different creatures, different uh, plants and animals and and everything before you're able to experience what wisdom is. I believe in God, but the God that I believe in is very different from what we were taught in Catholicism. I believe that the God that we, that each person uh, might unconsciously believe in is the God who has lived all of those different lives and has the wisdom from all of those different experiences and can feel every emotion that, that we feel, um, have experienced every experience that we could ever feel. Because I believe that we are created in, in his or her image. We could never experience emotions the way that we do if that God didn't experience it. So, you know, that's just one example. Um, spirituality has really opened uh, what I believe is good and bad. Um, I remember growing up, I would go to church and I would actually look at the people in the church who would start to gossip during the homily or during during part of the mass. And to me, I always thought, well, if we're supposed to be faithful, if we're supposed to be religious, we should be paying attention to what is being said during the mass and not trying to converse amongst ourselves. Um, so that in itself already set me apart from a lot of people who were going to church. Um, and then another thing I truly believe in too, that is slightly different from Catholicism is, you know, being able to make that pilgrimage. Um, we look at different religions who make a pilgrimage to visit their most holy city, most holy town, most holy structure, wherever it is. But when you look at Catholicism, when you look at other religions, they don't make the same pilgrimage. If we really are truly religious and faithful, then we should be, that should be part of our, our um, journey, our spiritual journey, our religious journey. So for me, you know, I, it just opened my eyes to different experiences and, and different things that were important to me, different things that were important to other people and why it was important to them. Um, it gave me a better perspective and understanding of the people around me who might have different religions or might be on their own spiritual journey themselves. And as it turns out, those are the people I connect with the best. It's the people who are associating themselves as spiritual as opposed to religious. Yeah, and those are the individuals I connect with who have more of an eclectic approach. Their belief systems are a little bit more flexible. Um, they incorporate a wide variety of different perspectives and practices. To, and I can learn from that. I can learn from that type of a varied approach. And it also helps me in my ongoing evolution and my ongoing spiritual path. So thanks for that, Celeste. That was, uh, that was uh, very insightful and, and detailed and, you know, I think a very accurate description of why um, the spirituality in, in many ways can be preferred over just a very strict religious dogma. The other thing that I do want to say about religions 
And I was talking to my Care of the Human Spirit class about this today at Utica University. Though there are differences in practices and rituals and religions, there's still some similarities. There's a lot of religions that believe in an afterlife. Um, there's a lot of religions that believe that doing services is part of the, uh, an important part of the human experience. So we can still look for those similarities among religions as well, too. But I think, and I, this is something I want to segue into as far as another, another question. Do you see a trend towards a spiritual and not religious mindset in our society? Uh, and if so, why do you think this is the case? Yeah, so in my opinion, maybe it's because of the people I'm surrounded by. Uh, but in my opinion, I do believe that there is a trend more towards spiritual rather than religious. Um, and the reason why I'm I'm seeing this, again, it could be the people I'm surrounded with, but it's also because people aren't looking at uh, the differences between different religions. Um, and they are finding that they would rather not be put into one box. Spirituality gives you the opportunity to explore um, other practices, of course, the similarities as well, and mm -hmm. take what they want from it. Um, this might not be the best phrase to use, but for myself, I love being a Frankenstein. I love being able to take everything uh, that I learn and putting myself back together with the things that I loved and, and experienced and, you know, things that I felt and build who I am today. I wouldn't be who I am if I, if I didn't become that Frankenstein of everything um, that, I, that I was surrounded in, in nurture and in nature. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think people are, are exploring and experiencing the same thing. Um, there are just so many boxes that people feel like they can't really check off because of what's going on in today's society, whether it be um, in personal development, in business, in politics, and um, in culture, people want to be able to explore and feel the freedom to choose for themselves. So spirituality, I think, is, I don't like to say the trend, but it is on the rise. Well, I think it's important because I think many individuals in our society, if not all of them, want to be empowered in some way. And a lot of their experiences that they've had, whether it be abuse, catastrophic loss, I think has caused an atmosphere of disempowerment. So the more that we can empower individuals to make choices, determine for themselves what they believe and how they choose to manifest or co-create their own reality in conjunction with the universe, I, I think the more you're going to see individuals find their own truth. If they're empowered, they're going to take responsibility for who they are and who they choose to become. Um, and it, it shouldn't, they shouldn't become who they choose to become because of somebody else's, you know, dictate or, or perceptions. We need to be able to see the world through our own eyes and empowerment tends to do that, allows us to do that. Yes, exactly. The other thing, and I meant to mention this earlier, but I also do believe in reincarnation. I don't believe this is the only dance that my my soul has had i believe i've lived other lifetimes i believe and i again due to my own experiences you know my own growth i truly believe that i have lived in other existences in other cultures uh, and i know i will continue to do that if i so choose if if my soul continues to exercise a free will to 
learn more from the human experience. So, um, so I just wanted to make, make mention of that because I, I didn't mention that earlier and I wanted to catch it now before I forgot. So Celeste, how do you personally define spirituality and what type of complementary practices, holistic practices do you engage in that align with that definition? Yeah, so for me, spirituality uh, is the inward look into yourself. I guess that's that's redundant to say, but it is an inward growth and path towards bettering yourself towards growth. Um, it could mean anything from the practices of different religions. Um, it could mean the practices of just being a in your terms of, of morality, a good human being. Um, but being aware of who you are, being aware of what your belief is um, and what your belief system is in, um, and then respecting the belief systems of other people and being open-minded to, to conversations without, you know, forcing um, your own opinions and own theories uh, on others. I think that's what spirituality is. Um, as for practices, you know, I love, I'm a Virgo, so I love being able to walk in nature, being able to um, go out into the sunshine and um, just spread my arms out and look up into this, into the sky and feel the warmth of the sun on my skin um, and just stay like that. Um, I love being able to journal and, and meditate. I do practice meditation. Um, on a regular basis. Um, I also love being able to practice yoga when I can. Um, I do have conversations with a few people who uh, practice mindfulness as well. So I practice conversations with uh, the people who are also on their own spiritual journey. Uh, we talk about their different learnings, um, talk about different theories that have come up, different uh, practices that might come up. It's all about mindfulness, being able to slow down and being able to focus on yourself, your growth. Um, so, it, you know, it could be a lot of different things. I'm definitely a reader and I listen to a lot of, a lot of, um, mellow music to meditate. So those are a few of my practices. Yeah. And that sounds very consistent with a, a lot of the, uh, holistic practices, complementary practices that are a part of spirituality, whether it be music, whether it be meditation. Nature is a big thing right now in terms of the research has shown that even spending a half hour in nature can be therapeutic in terms of, you know, stress reduction, reducing blood pressure. Um, I tell individuals I speak with about nature, it's not how long you spend in nature, is what it's what kind of awareness you create for yourself or nature creates for you in the time that you're out there. You could be out there for 30 minutes and come back with a renewed sense of clarity about a life issue or life issues that you were struggling with. It, it just all depends on on how you choose to utilize utilize that tool and, and your expectations in terms of what you're going to get out of it as well, too. Yes, very true, very true. When your clients come to, to talk with you, do is, does the conversation initially go to spirituality or is that something that you have to kind of draw out a little bit or how, tell me how that works in terms of how you do a spiritual assessment with any of your clients who are coming to you 
because of life challenges. Yeah. So uh, usually a lot of my clients uh, don't have spirituality in mind when they come to me uh, because I'm focused on helping them find clarity and helping them build resilience through change. A lot of it might be because of previous grief that they have experienced. And so it comes down to going into um, their timeline of events, talking things through, and then talking about what's important to them, um, what emotions are coming up, why are, you know, why certain things are coming up, why that stuck with them for a very long time. And then the topic of converse or the topic of conversation comes up to spirituality. And then we'll talk about spirituality and how we can find ways to align their spirituality to um, themselves to become more authentic uh, and live a more peaceful life and a, a life of more completion. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's also doing client-centered therapy, meeting them where they're at, seeing what their own definition of spirituality is. And I've, I've tell my students who may, some who may have a very unclear definition of what spirituality means to them, I said, I bet you you can look back at, at a previous moment in your life where you did something that would be considered to be in the realm of spirituality. If you took a walk out in nature, if you meditated, if you you even experimented with yoga a little bit, or um, those are those are all specific kind of practices that can enhance awareness, enhance our connectiveness to something greater than ourselves, and maybe give us renewed energy and purpose because of our involvement in those activities. So, let's talk about mindful presence. I, I love the term. And it's spelled M-I-N-D-F-U-L-L. I, -L -L. I kind of like that, mindful, a nice play on words. What inspired you to establish mindful presence? What is the mission of mindful presence, both short-term and long-term? And how does it, what you do specifically help individuals who are grieving and going through other, other life challenges? And finally, what are the tools and resources you provide so I got about a four-part question and one for you. <laughs> yes, yes, thank you. Um, so Mindful Presence was created uh, from a very personal space for me. Um, as you read, <laughs> as you read about me, I come from a background of various different experiences. I used to be a registered nurse. I used to work in corporate America, and then I truly started my my solo journey of not just my spirituality but what was making me feel happy uh you know i was one of those people who had met i guess societal terms of success i got the straight a's i was an honor as i was uh, i was on the dean's list i got the degree i got the job and you know, I was able to pay my bills. I had a home to live in. I had a car to drive. But I wasn't happy. So that started my journey of 12 years of discovering different careers that I could work, make money. And it also uh, started my journey of moving 11 different times in 12 years um, because I wanted to explore different cultures in different cities. Um, the thing is, 12 years is a long time to try and discover yourself and discover what makes you happy. What I did find, uh, what I wanted to do 
it was to mentor people. I realized I didn't want anyone else to go through what I did, which is 12 years or however long it takes to find out who you really are. From a very young age, we're taught, you know, you go to school, you do the work, you get the grades. But outside of all of that, what is it that satisfies you? What is it that fulfills you? And so Mindful Presence was started to help those who know what it is to make themselves successful on paper, but there's something eating away at them on the inside. For some reason, regardless of how successful they are to the outside world, they're still looking for an escape. Um, so Mindful Presence was created to guide those people to not just find clarity, but yes, heal from grief. Because we do, a lot of people um, still grieve. No matter how long it takes, there are people who have grieved for decades and don't even realize that they're grieving. 100% of mm-hmm. the population um, are grievers. And that affects how we make decisions. That affects how we react to different experiences and how we create um, relationships, whether it's a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship, our grief uh, affects all of that. Yeah, and I, I think there's a couple of things that you touched on that were interested, interesting to me, both about happiness and grief, is that society, I believe, and, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, there's this narrative that happiness is the key to fulfillment, that you know, happiness is dictated by what we accomplish, the material the material possessions that we accumulate, uh, our ability to get promotions. And I've talked to people who've got all that stuff and they're not happy. And I mean, to me, happiness, it's not about just being happy. And I've, I've said this on other podcasts, it's about being fulfilled. And being fulfilled means that we have to get in touch with those parts of ourselves that aren't happiness, whether it's sadness, whether it's, it's anger, whether it's disillusionment, all that's got something to teach us. And I think it makes us become more genuine, more holistic. And some of the best spiritual work that we do is when we tap into those those qualities that aren't happiness, and we try to find the teachings that lie within. And and, and so we integrate that those emotions. And I think in the process we can integrate our grief. And I would also agree that we do grief to an extent for the rest of our lives because. You know, things happen that are going to remind us of the relationships that were important to us, those people and ancestors who have passed before us. So it's just a matter of it's it's understanding that, understanding it's not pathological, understand it's a normal part of life, and it's another way for us to truly remember those people who are influences in our lives. So if we can get off of this trip that it's it's happiness or nothing. We can get out of that trap and embrace the totality of who we are. We would be genuine. We would be authentic, and I, you know, we would be more aware and more welcoming of those other individuals that have those shared qualities. Yes, that's very true. You know what you said too is it touched upon something uh, in my memory. I remember telling quite a few people. Uh, we respect what our brain tells us by doing, putting into action the things that we were taught, uh, the things that we know we have to complete. And for a lot of people that might be work, that might be purchasing new things, living in the best home, 
purchasing the best car or having the best phone. But we forget that we have to respect what's in our heart as well, which is, you know, understanding that when we have those emotions, our heart is trying to tell us something and we need to be able to address it, tell the emotion, you know, happiness, thank you for being here, sadness, thank you for being here, confusion, the feeling of abandonment, thank you for being here, thank you for for showing me and teaching me what I need to be taught right now. I might not see it at the moment, let me feel it. Let me look at it from a few steps back a little bit later so that I can learn. And let me say it out loud because I respect my body physically. I respect everything about the physical world around me, but I I need to show my heart and my emotions the same respect. Absolutely. And our body does know the score. You know, taking a title from Bessel van der Kirk's book, The Body Knows a Score, our body can inform us in terms of what's going on in our mind or perhaps even in our spirit. So if we can listen to that and integrate that whole mind-body-spirit approach, that's another way that we can achieve clarity, which is another big part of spirituality. Yes, yes. You know, and that's funny, too, because, you know, Dave, we our bodies do show us when we are grieving. Um, our dentists see it when we go visit them when we grind our teeth because we're we're stressed Mm -hmm. or we're grieving Uh, our chiropractors see it they feel it in our muscles uh, because we're carrying the weight of our emotions on our shoulder Um, our dietitians our nutritionists see it by our eating habits Uh, our bank can see it our bankers see it our accountants see it but our spending habits based on those grief based on our stress and, and those emotions that we're holding it. And our, our body carries trauma. There's no doubt in my mind. I mean, you can see, you know, an individual, individual who deals with trauma or is dealing with trauma, uh, for, you know, from any type of event, they will carry it in their bodies. Typically they may carry it in their neck, their shoulders, but even if you watch how they walk, they kind of walk with a very heavy gait, a very shuffling gait. It's almost like literally they're carrying the weight of the world on their shoulders. So we can see trauma. Not only can they do they talk about their trauma, they, but they experience it in their body as well, too. And sometimes their body will tell us more about their trauma than their verbalizations will tell us because they may not be in a position where they can verbalize trauma, but they can demonstrate trauma through other, through other areas, through other aspects. Yes, very true. Okay. So please tell our listeners, give our listeners one or two takeaways from your life path that can help them effectively navigate life challenges. So what do you have from your life path that can teach us about ours? Yes. So from my life path, um, I would love to share with everyone uh, that you should never fall in love. Never fall in love because when you fall, you're bringing yourself down to the standards that are not your own. Instead, when you love someone new, whether it be romantic or platonic, you should be able to rise in love because that friend, that romantic partner, whatever partner it is or whoever that is, they should be able to promote your growth, your growth together as partners. And you should be able to promote their growth as well as an individual. So that's one key takeaway. Um, 
Another key takeaway that I can say is to verbalize. Articulation is very, very important. And I'm sure quite a lot of people have talked about this. Um, we, when we talk about articulation, we talk about movement, right? Movement of our bodies. It could be, but it could also be movement of our words. When we look at athletes, we love watching the football games or the basketball games or the baseball games because those athletes are so articulate with how they move and how they play their sport. It's the same thing when we verbalize. Verbalizing is a skill that you can practice and being able to articulate what your emotions are will go in such a long way to show people how um, how open you are. Uh, it humanizes who we are um, and it just helps you lift off a lot of the weight that you're holding in on your own. You don't have to, you don't have to carry all of those emotions on your own. Being able to articulate everything goes such a long way in showing people um, that you have them, that we all have hearts and that we mm -hmm. want to connect. We are looking for that. Yeah. And I don't believe human beings can live without some type of social connection or in isolation for too long anyway. Um, yeah. Wolf behavior teaches that. You, you look at wolves, they, they hang out in packs. And they teach us that as human beings, we need others. We need the support of others. We need the energy of others if we're going to continue to grow individually and, um, you know, make our mark in the world. So, so finally, if people want to contact you, find out more about your services, how would they find you? And also, if you got any events or projects that are currently going on, let our listeners know about that as well, too, Celeste. Sure. Um, so if you are looking to find me, you can find me on my website, mindfulpresence.com. It's M-I-N-D-F-U-L-L presence.com. Um, and you can also find me on Instagram at mindfulpresence, same spelling. Or you can send me an email if you would prefer. It's celeste at mindfulpresence.com um, for... Uh, for any events that I have coming up, I do have a clarity workshop or a masterclass coming up uh, where I go over um, helping you find clarity in yourself, where we talk about curiosity, learning, authenticity, reflection, intention, thoughtfulness, and yearning. Helping you find the first few steps of inner fulfillment will go such a long way. And it's a, a five-day masterclass. Uh, if you want to learn more information, check out my website. Um, and you can actually download a free 10-day uh, curiosity journal off of my website as well. That sounds like you have a variety of services for your current clients and potential clients to tap into. I like what you got going on with the master class. Now, if you could throw something about critical thinking in there as well, too, I, <laughs> that, would, that would just round it out perfectly. But again, that's just my own, my own belief. I think critical thinking in a lot of ways has become a lost art. Um, and so if you could throw something in there about that, that would make this podcaster happy. But then again, you know, your job isn't to make me happy. So in fact, nobody can make us happy. Only we can, we are, we can, you know, be the creator of our own happiness and genuineness. So. Well, you know, Dave, if you, if you 
want to focus on critical thinking, you do have your students. And I think, I think that would peak a little closer to your happiness. I think that's, that's true. My students always make me happy. So my students, if you're listening to this, I'm talking about you. But anyway, Celeste, thank you so much. It was a pleasure having you on the Teaching Journeys podcast. I hope we can do this again sometime. Yes, yes. I would love to come back on. You know, this is such an amazing space, such an amazing place to, to talk about the most important topics. Um, and just being able to, to talk to you again, Dave, it's just been so amazing. And likewise for me too, Celeste. And with that, that is a wrap on another episode of the Teaching Journeys podcast. I am your host, Dave Roberts, wishing you peace. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please remember to share this podcast with your family, friends, and colleagues. And don't forget to leave a rating, review, or both.